It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Sunday, March 14th, 2021. On this day in 1964, a jury convicted Jack Rubenstein of murdering Lee Harvey Oswald, the alleged shooter of President John F. Kennedy. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of violence and murder that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering Jack Rubenstein's murder conviction. Let's go back to Dallas on March 14, 1964 at 11.30 a.m. Fifty-two-year-old Jack Rubenstein, nicknamed Ruby, and his defense attorneys rushed back to the courtroom. It was time for the verdict. The case had been hotly debated. Ruby wasn't just on trial for slaughtering a human being. He was accused of killing the man who was charged with the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Two days after the president's death on November 24, 1963, Dallas cops publicly escorted Lee Harvey Oswald to the city's police headquarters. A crowd of reporters filled the station's basement. Unbeknownst to anyone, Ruby waited among them. When Oswald entered the room, Ruby came forward and fired a single shot from his concealed 38 revolver. He hit his target. Authorities rushed Oswald to Parkland Hospital, the same place where Kennedy went after his shooting, and he died. Though some celebrated Oswald's death, many felt that Ruby robbed the nation of the chance to exact real justice. Some even alleged that Ruby shot Oswald to conceal a conspiracy behind Kennedy's death. The country was divided about what he'd done and what his fate should be. Ruby, though, denied the accusations that he was involved in a cover-up. The nightclub owner recruited a famous lawyer, Melvin Belli, to lead his defense team. One of the first things they did was to request a change in venue, claiming Ruby was unlikely to have a fair trial in Dallas due to the case's overwhelming publicity. But the judge disagreed and rejected the motion. During the 1964 trial, Ruby stated that his devastation about Kennedy's death caused him to have psychomotor epilepsy, meaning that he shot Oswald unconsciously without meaning to. He was a longtime Democrat and Kennedy fan, so it was likely that Ruby, like many people, was upset about the president's assassination. But his shady past also drew scrutiny. In Dallas, he was well-known as the hot-headed owner of the Carousel Club. He often had arguments with his employees and unruly patrons. 
Ruby may have also been involved in crooked financial schemes and drug running. At the end of the trial, the jury was set to determine his fate. They deliberated for only two hours and 19 minutes before asking the judge to reconvene. The verdict was so highly anticipated that it was broadcast live on TV and radio. Thousands waited with bated breath as the foreperson read the jury's decision. Ruby was convicted of murder with malice and was sentenced to death by the electric chair. He seemed calm as his fate was sealed, his expression devoid of any emotion. Though some saw him as a hero for killing Oswald, the jury ultimately found him as guilty as any other murderer. His chief defense counsel, Melvin Belli, however, was livid. In front of the judge, jury, and TV cameras, Belli stood up and launched into an angry diatribe. He started his tirade by saying, May I thank this jury for a victory for bigotry. As Belli continued, he pledged to appeal Ruby's case. He kept yelling even as sheriff's deputies ushered him out of the courtroom. Nothing could stop Belli from saying his piece, however. His rant continued outside of the courthouse, where he spoke to reporters. He claimed the verdict was a sham more suitable for Soviet Russia than the United States. It was an inflammatory accusation to make during the height of the Cold War. As for Ruby, he let his defense lawyer have the spotlight. While sitting in his jail cell, he stayed calm. He hadn't given up yet. After all, he was set to remain in prison until the Court of Appeals reviewed his case. There was still a possibility that his life would be saved. Even though the public and Belli didn't approve of the decision, Ruby had to wait it out. Up next, we'll discuss Jack Ruby's appeal and unexpected death. You discover their practices, seek their advice, and let yourself become more vulnerable than ever before. They have the ability to heal what the doctors can't, or so they say. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa from the ParCast series Cults. Be sure to check out our four-part special on Miracle Healers airing right now. Meet figures from around the world who claimed powers and pushed remedies, but harbored more sinister intentions. You don't want to miss it. And if you're looking for more episodes on the most radical and deadly groups in history, tune in to Cults every Tuesday. From Jim Jones and the People's Temple, to Charles Manson and the Manson family, to Keith Raniere and Nexium, you'll uncover the unscrupulous methods used to turn bright-eyed recruits into die-hard believers. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Cults, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. On March 14, 1964, a jury convicted Jack Ruby Rubinstein of murdering Lee Harvey Oswald, the accused shooter of President John F. Kennedy. 52-year-old Ruby was sentenced to death by electric chair. The verdict caused an uproar in the public and with Ruby's own defense attorney, Melvin Belli. The lawyer vowed to appeal the decision. 
It took mountains of paperwork and superhuman patience, but Belli and Ruby got their wish two years later. The Texas Court of Criminal Appeals re-examined the case in October of 1966. In a surprising move, the officials sided with Ruby and Belli. The appellate judges ruled that Ruby's trial wasn't fair after all. They claimed that the case should have moved to another, less biased venue, as Belli had argued for in the first place. The Court of Criminal Appeals overturned the conviction. But Ruby wasn't exactly off the hook. They set a date for a new trial in February of 1967. Though he would have to be put through a whole new round of public scrutiny, it was a huge victory for Ruby. His death sentence was rescinded, and he could finally receive an impartial verdict for his crime. Belli hoped that justice would finally be done. Ruby likely held out hope that he would end up with a more favorable sentence. His defense team set to work preparing for the new trial. They were determined to get things right the second time around. But unfortunately, Ruby never got another chance to argue his case. Two months later, in December of 1966, Ruby became ill with pneumonia. He was rushed to Dallas's Parkland Hospital in bad shape. After the doctors ran some tests, they realized the pneumonia wasn't to blame. Ruby's symptoms came from a fast-acting lung cancer. He didn't have much time left. He wouldn't be able to make it to his second trial. A few weeks later, on January 3, 1967, 55-year-old Jack Ruby died just a month before the proceedings were set to begin. Like Kennedy and Oswald, he perished inside Parkland Hospital. But this time, no guns were involved. His death finally ended the cycle of violence that began with that infamous presidential motorcade in 1963. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Mallory Cara, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Bennett Logan. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 